If you're new and you want to follow us over on them social medias, go over to at Halloween is forever uh, on Instagram, hat hallow forever on Twitter, whatever the hell. Just go search Halloween is forever. You'll see it's a little pixelated, cute little pumpkin guy on there. Um, follow us if you want some dang old spooky yuki shit on the Internet every damn day. If you want to join some of our patrons who join us regularly here in on the discord during recording if you want to get episodes occasionally a little bit earlier if you want to get access to those 31 days uh of uh of of horror that steve did all those fantastic write-ups for um or if you want to get access to our monthly patreon exclusive podcast go over on the patreon it's patreon.com forward slash halloween's forever about bob how how about you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, you can find uh, our podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops, anywhere you can download the finest podcast. Check us out on Twitter at H, uh, uh, H-O-B-F. Uh, I think that's what it is. Hold on. What is our Twitter? That sounds right. Just just look it up. This, this is usually T-Dub's job. Um, but you can find all of us on Twitter. Captain Cash, Bling Blake, uh, the Thunderous Wizard, and of course... Our dear friend, the sleepy bear, Mary McCheese. But uh, yeah, it's a fun podcast. We talk about bad movies and usually good beer. And uh, we drop new episodes every Friday. So hops and box office flops. Check us out. That's hops and B.O. flops. Yeah, for the at. <laughs> yeah, there it is. All right, let's do it. Let's jump into it. Let's get into the last. Uh, we're on the last leg here. Um, uh, what? Let's- <laughs> oh, is it my turn? It's a, yeah, we're jumping into yeah, oh, okay. we're jumping into your flick. We're going into little uh, little year next from 2011. So uh, yeah, Bob, take it away. Yeah. All right. Well, first off, as I've indicated previously, I am fighting an uphill battle here because this was Tom's movie. T Dubs picked it. I got stuck with it. I had never seen it before, so this was a first time viewing for me. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna get through some of the negatives here real quick on the front end and I'll give a very brief plot description but this is kind of a paint by the numbers home invasion uh, revenge story um, and involves animal masks which again it was released in 2011 September of 2011 I feel like there was sort of a moment for these kind of flicks Mm -hmm. between this and like the purge and a couple other things it seems like there's a lot of like uh, even saw to a certain extent a lot of weird animal mask home invasion slasher type flicks yeah does that check out yeah that a thing that happened yeah the animal mask thing became did become a trope i i want to say this was one of the first ones to do that sort of thing um like um i don't know if i call it the first but yeah i think it's just a finding mask thing in general because the other movie that would stick out at this point would be the strangers yeah 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 that's a, that's another cabin isolated whatever yeah and that's from thing. that's from 2008 so okay. i i actually take this film as almost as an answer to those types of films mm. because like the strangers and the purge were kind of straight oh, up and down purge. good good one yeah yeah mm-hmm. the, they were kind of straight up and down like home invasions a little bit uh, whereas we get a twist in this one get where a couple twists. we get a couple twists, but like the, the main one is the, the crux that one of our victims isn't actually a victim and like, she's far more prepared. It's not mm-hmm. a, vi- it's not a victim who 
is essentially transformed and is just driven by will like like uh nicholas cage is and mandy right uh, although he does have a background as well and, and it's not like my film where you know my character obviously just gains superpowers to fucking take right. on people <laughs> it's more so, of a discovery as we go along the way we find right. out that our what ends up being our protagonist is not your typical final girl Spoiler. right so uh yep yeah, again it's uh directed by alan wingard who went on to oddly enough direct godzilla vs kong and is working on the next one as well mm-hmm um, and he also did the Blair Witch sequel slash reboot. Yeah, like 2016 or something. That's technically a direct sequel to the first film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it stars a bunch of people I don't know, except for Barbara Crampton. So points to my movie because Barbara Crampton. <laughs> it has a Larry Fessenden, a, a, a little bit of Larry Fessenden, which I listen, you give me Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden in the same movie. I'm, yeah. I'm fucking there. And uh, but you also get uh, Ty West uh, as one of the uh, boyfriends in the movie because quickly it is a basically a married couple inviting their adult children to their somewhat secluded second vacation home. And I don't know where upstate somewhere. And so these adult children, yeah, attend this this, uh, you know anniversary weekend and there's three sons and a daughter and they all bring their respected loved ones the daughter's uh, boyfriend is ty west who is very famous at the moment for directing both x and pearl mm-hmm. um didn't know who he was but he plays the director boyfriend in the movie a little on the nose but okay <laughs> um and then you've got like uh, you've got Australian Rashida Jones, uh, goth Justin Timberlake, unfunny <laughs> Zach Galifianakis, and you've got kind of like the goth Mila Jovovich in it. I, I don't know any of these people. I don't, yeah, I mean, she, were, I could see, I could see that. Um, and th- my big knock on the cast because the husband, uh, and the mother, uh, who's played by Barbara Crampton, who is a fox in this, mm, holy crap, she's fox in she everything, babe. Um, yeah. I can't tell how old anybody is. Everybody seems the same age. The dad looks like a mashup of Ron Livingston and Billy Crudup. Um, and his, <laughs> yeah, last name is looks... his last name is Tucci, but he's not related to Stanley Tucci. He's not <laughs> is of his the, last he's name not Tucci? Of the, yeah, he's not of the uh, the Devil Wears Prada Tucci's. <laughs> he's not of the I Cook uh, Beats Tucci's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But that being said, this movie was made for a million bucks. And yeah. it does look better than that. I'll give it that. Yeah, it takes the thing I like about this movie is it takes, you know, the the revenge or no, I'm sorry, not the revenge, the, uh, the the home invasion genre, which was kind of blowing up a little bit at the time and becoming probably a, that space was becoming a little bit crowded. It does do something to to add a unique, you know, obviously revenge tinged yeah. take on that like home invasion slasher thing. So, like, you know, I mean, maybe horror perhaps more than any other genre because there are so many lower budget movies coming out. And of course, like the, the, the whole like exploitation angle is really baked into the, the genre. Um, you get a lot of copycats. Like you, you see Mm -hmm. trends, trends where, yeah, trends wear themselves out, um, a lot quicker 
in genre films than in other, you know, in, in other genres and subgenres. Yeah. So I mean, you it's can even like, go straw dogs a little bit, like mm-hmm. I spit on your grave. Like this is, yeah, this is a tried and true, you know, type of home invasion slash revenge movie with different twists mm-hmm. and all of those. Yeah. But you know, the formula's there. So that's kind of the basic setup for the main plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sort of jumping the gun here a bit. The movie opens fast. Um, it yeah. starts off with a couple. Uh, it's a you know a, a older man with a younger woman. Strangely, you know, she's not impressed with the sex. Uh, we do mm-hmm. get boobs in the first five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just really pull you in, uh, and then they are quickly murdered. Mm-hmm. And okay, so that's how the movie starts. They are these people in these masks, and they are murdering folks and you get the title drop uh unlike mandy not like you know two-thirds of the way through the movie effectively but right off the bat your next is written in blood before the uh male lover is killed uh and then the movie cuts to the parents of our main cast driving to their home up wherever and seeing the dead guy's car in the driveway and commenting that, oh, he must be here. Oh, yeah, he left his wife. He's banging some college chick or something. I don't know. So mm-hmm. we now have a little backstory on their next door neighbor and maybe why they were murdered. We don't really know. Yeah. So then we get introduced to like a somewhat dysfunctional family. Um, what we are led to believe is our protagonist is the middle brother, again, with a younger sister who has issues with his older brother, who's a giant dickhead. Uh, The movie goes out of its way to make you hate the older brother to the point Mm -hmm. that when he talks to the director boyfriend, Ty West's character, he mentions that commercials are his favorite thing to watch, which is just such a shitty thing to say. It's unrealistic. (laughs) The script is terrible in this movie. That, mm. That's probably the biggest knock I'll give it is the dialogue in it is kind of. I don't, I don't know that it's bad. I, I don't know if I agree with that. that I think it's like, like no, some bad writing. Oh, no, but, nobody, nobody says they love commercials. No, no, well, not even it's marketing black people humor. are like, I love commercials. They know better well, I than think, say that out loud. I would argue that it is. <laughs> there is a lot of dark humor baked into the dialogue. And that character is like he's the inciting. Like he is the levity. Even though he's a dick and you're meant to hate him, he's like super hateable douchebag. He's yeah. the one who who he's the one who incites all the, you know, the social horror, the social turmoil. Sort you know of. what I mean? And, and he's super self unaware. So it's like, yeah. Well, I but took like, it as he's a hundred percent aware. I took it as like he yeah, knows he's exactly very, what he's doing, and he just is a dick. He because he, he knows he knows everybody's buttons to push. Yeah. He's needling so like, everybody. Yeah. yeah. So like if he's, if he says, I love commercials, there's a good chance. Like he's saying it in an undertone to, I, to get a reaction out of somebody. And maybe I, not I, the person he's talking to, but somebody yeah. he's, tra- he, cause he's essentially, he's the successful brother. He's the one that you can assume, especially from the way the film ends, mm-hmm. he's the one that the parents love. So like right. he he can do no wrong in their eyes for the most part. And he's then, the golden boy. Yeah, he's yeah. the golden boy. And and, and I, I do appreciate saying that like, well, he was doing it just to mess with that poor director guy because but he didn't know what that guy's resume was completely at that point. He very well could have worked on commercials. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that's such an unrealistic comment to make. There's no way that wouldn't have like perked the interest of everyone else at the table. 
right? Because it's just such an unnatural thing to say. And the whole shtick in the movie is that the parents are like on his side. Right. But I'm sorry, that's just like, that's, that's a huge red flag. Like the guy's clearly being an asshole. And the movie tries to go out of its way to convince you that like no one else is aware of that, except for the frustrated main character brother, uh, who is unfunny, Zach Galifianakis. Anyway, so they build in the family tension. We understand what's going on. Uh, you know, the goth brother shows up with his goth girlfriend. They seem uninterested. They have the dinner party that we just described. So there's a little bit of baked intention there. And then the murdering starts to happen. Uh, somebody starts firing crossbow uh, bolts through the windows. It turns into like a sniper scene. It's pretty intense in the dining room. I am shocked they didn't just flip the table. Yeah. Well, you know, not big table. It gets flipped. It does get flipped, but that would have been my first move. Flip the giant wooden item for cover. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then the movie basically goes into a series of like somewhat slasher home invasion type movie tropes where they're trying to figure out like how to defend themselves. And they end up isolated. People get picked off one by one. We get glimpses of the killers. There's three of them. They're all wearing animal masks. We have a wolf, a sheep, and a cat. It's a tiger. It's like a tiger. Tiger, yeah. tiger, 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 tiger. And you know, throughout this, they, they they make some poor decisions. They make some good decisions. Um, you know, but again, they're getting picked off. And there's some piano wire involved, the near decapitation. That was a, a very um, interesting decision that they made there mm. to try to, to escape in that fashion. And it did not pay off the, yeah. the poor sister runs out of the, the house, trying to make it to the cars and finds that piano wire with her throat. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a brutal, that was kind of a brutal kill. A lot of this is like family members watching each other die in front, you know, uh, right there in front of themselves. And that's kind of, it's kind of, kind of rough, kind of rough, yeah. a little and- bit of a slow burn too. There's good pacing between the kills. They don't all happen at once. Yeah. It's, it's, it's set up. In such a way that, like, I mean, the first person that gets killed is Ty West. But, yeah, like, to it's, the head. Yeah, it's set up in such a, uh, a interesting way with the family dynamic. Because, obviously, like, you know, you have the, the patriarchs and the matriarch, and they're in charge. But, like, when shit starts to go down, nobody really knows what to do because they're just waspy, rich yeah. people. Like, they don't know what to do about the situation. So they're just kind of making it up as they go along. And that's why they come up with this plan to have, like, the daughter. She's just going to, I'm going to prove to my family that I'm the fastest around. That's the thing. They can't even, like, they're they're all so inept. They can't even stop, like, having petty arguments when their life's on the line. So they play that to a, to a, as a, as a kind of a black humor thing, but it's also like these people are so just inept at existing. Like their life is just so charmed that they can't even put this stuff aside when the shit hits the fan. Like when he calls the one guy a scumbag, like the, 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 the one brother, he's like, knows about the uh fucking you know cell tower jammers or whatever yeah. which yeah. you know you come to later know why but at the time he's like you're such a fucking scumbag like in the moment yeah, that he knew what it was and yes and and like to the point that when we get to the scene where they discuss the daughter trying to make a run for it you've got the dickhead brother with a crossbow bolt in his back still shitting on everyone like, yeah. Even when he's like bleeding out, he's like, ah, fuck you guys. You're all twats. Yeah. Um, 
because he's like, I would be the fastest if I didn't have this bolt in me. And then he's like, he's calling middle brother fat. And then it's it's a strange time to be squabbling. Like, you know, but to that, to that point, at this point, we don't know what's going on. Right. We saw the initial murders at the neighbor's house. Now they're being assaulted. We don't know what's going on. We don't know why they're targeted. There's obviously some friction within the family, but at this point, all the characters that we know are on screen. You know, it kind of becomes more apparent throughout the course of the film that our main character's girlfriend has a special set of skills, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she seems to be, uh, to your point, Brian. Like these people, or I think it was actually you, Steve. That these people don't seem to know what they're doing. They're they're, they're out of their element. They're these waspy upper middle class, you know, whatever folks, rich people. But she seems to be the tough one. She seems to know what to do and tries to start to take control of the situation. And then, you know, effectively, we learn that these people have been in the house. They've been there for a while. They've been stalking them. They find evidence of them being camped out in the closet. Uh, Barbara Crampton gets murdered in her bed. Um, and then why? Why you know, did she? Can we ask why she just went to bed? Like her daughter died. She, she's and so everything overwhelmed, was, right? I guess, but, but it's like she got I mean, the vapors th- very badly. She, exactly. Yeah, just, uh, I'm going to go take a nap. I don't know. I just that didn't sit right with me. <laughs> no, exactly to the point that these people are not prepared for this kind of stuff. They, they're not mm-hmm. built for this, right? So yeah, a bunch of you know, dipshit decisions get made, and um, you know she's killed in her sleep or in bed, not in, in her sleep, but she's killed in her bed because there was literally somebody camped out in the bedroom, and um, yeah, I mean the movie kind of kind of picks up from there because you get your first twist when you see the father die, mm. and when he's murdered in front of the goth son and the goth girlfriend, you learn that they're in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the goth son complains like, Hey man, did you have to do that in front of me? Like, you know, I just had to stab my brother. Like that's what I paid you guys for. Like, you know, whatever. I think that at that point that had already happened. I think so. I don't know. I think that's a little later. Is that later? That he mentioned okay. that he's sta- it's yeah, all this is the first time me. you noticed this is the yeah. first time you learn that the goth brother is in on it. In on it. But then yeah. later on, he does give he has the he gives the the killers a talking to because he's the one who has to dispatch his older brother. It, right. It, yeah. The point I want to make here is that it's very bold of that brother to talk shit to the murderers. Yeah, like, Felix. Yeah. Right. Felix is the one who had who had hired them, and yes, like you, Felix. Yeah. So I think the idea he's got this like fault, maybe perhaps false sense of. Uh, uh, of security in that okay they're not going to do anything to me because if they do then they yeah. will get paid because right. the whole idea is he's got to he's got to kill all his family so he gets the full inheritance and yeah. he is which uh, i yeah. think that comes up in the secret confrontation because that's when they finally do threaten him because right. yeah so i think in the meantime yeah i think this is when they split up mm-hmm. and felix goth brother goes down to the basement with dickhead brother Mm. And finishes him off while goth girlfriend is upstairs with the uh, middle brother's wife, fiance, girlfriend, girlfriend, former student mm. girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. And they're, and they're, they're basically planting their home alone traps upstairs. Yeah, They're going Ke- Kevin McAllister upstairs. Yeah. yeah with, with the cow traps there or mm. cow traps, cow traps. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, nails and boards. So anyway, so yeah, goth brother kills, 
a dickhead brother. And then, uh, you know, he has to uh, have a tough conversation with his goons. Uh, cause you know, obviously things are not going as planned. And in the meantime, I forgot to mention that, uh, the Australian girlfriend kills Tiger. She kills. She kill, tiger. Yeah, she kills Tiger Mask with mm-hmm. a with a uh, meat tenderizer to the back of the head. Yeah, and uh, so we learn that Sheep is his brother and mm-hmm. is very upset and wants now to kill Felix because his brother died for this job and that wasn't part of the plan and. Felix has to to bargain with them and say, "Hey, I'll pay you more money. Like you can't kill me. You mm-hmm. have to let me, you know, live. Because if you don't, you don't get your money. If yeah. we don't finish the job, I don't get my inheritance, and nobody gets paid." So then, at this point, though, he's also antagonized them because it's like, "Hey, you guys are getting your butt kicked by a girl." Um, and in the conversation with the goth girlfriend, we have found out now that Australian girlfriend. Uh, grew up on a, a, a some kind of preppers compound in Australia, so she's yeah. she's basically a commando at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's this is the thing that so I, I I'll jump in and say one I don't dislike the the other thing they do in addition to some of the twists and the whole like you know revenge tinge that they put on the the home invasion uh, home invasion you know slasher subgenre. I think the other thing they do that I don't I don't mind is I like that they made Aaron the it, it's unique that she was a competent, capable final girl. Right. right. So this yeah. would have been From the start. this is yeah. And this is a pretty, pretty capable thing or this is a pretty uh, novel thing that she's actually capable and competent. And you always get the feeling that she is either on par or or more capable than the, the the trained killers, right? Um, and that obviously in and of itself betrays a genre trope. So I think they executed that pretty well. I think she's believable as this like badass, but I did not like the fact that they just explained it literally in one sentence. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. like they, they, you could have learned more gradually or there's just other ways they could have done it. It just felt very heavy handed or, or just an afterthought that she, cause the way she says it is I grew up on a survivalist compound. So yeah. that's fine. Like that's, that, that could be the reason why, and but you can give it more goes, than a sentence. Well, and I think it'll come up here at the end, but the, she also goes out of her way to mention, Oh, and by the way, I have not told unfunny Zach Galifianakis that I did this. Yeah, what's that's his name? Con- story? Con- Connor or some shit? I forget. Uh, Christian. Christian. Christian, that's she, it. She, they, she, oh, and by the way, he doesn't know, which seems like a weird statement at the time, mm-hmm. but then you understand why later. Yeah, it, it yeah. has value. Like the, it, it, the, it the, comes the, back, yeah. Yeah, the, the script is pretty clever. I mean, aside from what you're saying, Brian, about like, you know, everything just being laid out in this one sentence. I think the um, structure of I, the script is clever. I don't like the dialogue, but sorry, go mm-hmm. ahead. But yeah, like the structure is clever because you have all of these moments where Aaron is doing something capable. She's the one that gets everybody out of the room in the first encounter by teaching mm-hmm. them to use the chair as the block. She's the first one to kind of jump into triage mode and, you mm-hmm. know, assess everybody's wounds and everything. Applying pressure so like, to wounds. And, yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not bothered by the survivalist line when the fact is we've seen her 
in action already. We, we've seen, like, even though she's not the, she doesn't come out as the leader of the group because there's still the family dynamic. And the mm-hmm. family can't even imagine that somebody amongst their group would be capable. So they yeah. never looked, they never looked to anybody else. They're just, that's why they're just throwing whatever at the wall to see what sticks. I think mm-hmm. it's very interesting you point that out, Steve, is because I do feel like she held back because she was mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm new. And there's obviously like a family. Yeah, there's like here. a social, there's a social yeah. horror element to this, even with the awkwardness at the table early on. Like there's always yeah, there's, a social there's a element. Order, to it. And I'm like, I'm not in a position of leadership yet. Like you've got mom and dad, and then you've obviously got the older brother who's the chosen one. So like we have to hold back. But yeah, when the shit really hits the fan, she kind of steps up, but she's, right. she doesn't take total control right off the bat. Exactly. Um, I mean, again, I mean, I, I think, again, the structure of this film is interesting some of the dialogue is lacking and like, they probably could have done a better way of displaying stuff. But anyway, so uh, at this point in time, we've got one of the three killers dead. You've got the other two uh, being berated by the brother that's hired them, uh, Felix, and they've got to hunt down uh, what's her face because she's clearly a problem. Aaron. Yeah. They've got to Mm -hmm. hunt her down. I like to imagine since she's Australian and she grew up on a survivalist compound, I like to imagine she grew up with the guy from Wolf Creek and they just took yeah. different paths in life. <laughs> that was like her yeah. uncle. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and meanwhile, I, we, we, I, it's my fault. I forgot to mention this. Like her boyfriend, Christopher or whatever, uh, he had left to go try to find a cell signal somewhere and has not returned. So he's just off screen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, while all this is going on in the house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at this point, she uh, she manages to basically kick everybody's ass. Uh, Before that, though, she hides. She hears what's going on. She now knows the truth that Felix has hired these people. And then that's when, you know, it turns into kind of what feels like the final showdown. This, mm-hmm. this is probably the one scene in the movie that disappointed me the most, which sucks because it's kind of like the quote-unquote final fight. After she, like, dispatches um, the killers, she has to face off with uh, Felix and goth girlfriend in mm-hmm. the kitchen. And it's a knockdown, drag-out fight. But she finishes it by jamming a blender on top of Felix's head. Mm-hmm. And... The blood in this scene is strangely orangish brown. Uh, and there's plenty of other red blood in the movie. So it's not like it was a stylistic choice based on stuff earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. And then she uh, stabs the girlfriend to death. You know, yeah, right on and, top and, of the head, does the old Walking Dead style kill. Yeah, on just her. Yeah. booms. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, right to the top of the d- dome, which is kind of like similar to the way she killed the guy. So it's a little reductive, whatever. But. I forgot to mention this scene also lightens the tone a bit because before Felix gets the blender to the head, she splashes cold water on him. And he's like, he expected to be burnt by it because we had seen the pot hot earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? It's not even hot. And then he slips and falls in it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, um, this is a three stooges bit. What are we doing here? Come on the black comedy. I, I uh, like this scene. I think between, because because well, you already had the final fight. The final fight was against the last killer in the basement, which was Sheep Face. Which oh, yeah. one of them was I, in the I forgot basement? to mention that. The weird With the camera. Effect. 
What, what, yeah. What's setting on the camera is that? Is that a setting on the camera? I yeah, think it was a, like a, yeah, it's a periodic, Take a take a picture setting. I don't fucking know about cameras. Yeah, it's like a time. It's a it's a time lapse. It's a time lapse. Yeah, is what it's time lapse. Okay. Yeah. That that's a fine scene. But yeah, she takes it. anyway. So it's a, that was definitely more um, cinematic and tension building than what happens in the kitchen. Whatever. Though, well, it's like she, Mandy. I mean, it's like you know the final yeah. the final fight. You already did the final fight, and then you have the last little, you know, kind of emotional fight, if you will, against the person who was the architect of this whole yeah, thing, which was so, which was Felix. So after the blender head death, after the mm-hmm. Walking Dead knife to the skull cap death mm-hmm. of the girlfriend, our final girl collapses and sits there, and then Felix, the younger brother's phone, starts ringing, and. Again, I'm doing a terrible job here. Earlier, we'd seen Felix turn off his jammer because, oh, that throwaway comment about, oh, you can get cell phone jammers on the internet. They're illegal, but they're only like 30 bucks. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's yeah. one in his trunk. And mm-hmm. so he turned it off. So cell phones work again. So he's getting a call and uh, Aaron answers it and it's her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that dun, 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 he was mm-hmm. in on it too. Yeah, but he and his younger brother hated their older brother and their parents so much that they were going to have them all killed for their inheritance. Yeah, and then you know the uh, Christopher comes into the house because Aaron doesn't say a word, and he's like, oh, "I'm just coming in," and she confronts him, and he says, "Hey, don't worry. Um, you were never in danger. We were never going to kill you. We needed you." We need you to be the witness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, so you were explicitly an important part of the plan and everyone else had to die except for you. We needed you to be there. And he's like, see, see, so this is fine. This is actually even better because now with Felix dead and just me alive, I get all the inheritance and we can do whatever we want. We can go to Paris. I can pay off your student loans, whatever you want. Hey, if you just want $500,000, I'll give you $500,000. Mm-hmm. And she already knows there's way more money than that, so that's pretty cheap. I think that's yeah. probably one, yeah. one of the yeah, he reasons low-ball, she, he lowballed it there he a little bit. Her and she knows it. <laughs> yeah. And but it, and, and it, it's it's every it's so great because it's everything coming together because she knows like she she's already stated earlier in the film that she knows he's weak. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know she because she knows what a little worm he is, but he's just. Mm-hmm you know, well, been a good boyfriend. So, yeah. And, and I think that was, to me, that's when her character turned like, and was like, okay, now she's a hundred percent badass now mm-hmm. because the scene you're talking about, she's talking with the, uh, goth, you know, Felix and, and his girlfriend, the goth couple. And at this point she doesn't know that they're in on it. Right. But they're trying to comfort her like, well, hey, he, he's taken off. I'm sure he's going to be good. He, you know, he, he is strong, you know. Yeah. Like, and she's no, like, he's not. no, he's not. Because I, I am and I know what strength is. And right. it's like, oh, that's, that's cold blooded, bro. <laughs> um, I was like, OK, so she's like in full fucking, you know, Charles Bronson mode at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. So he mealy mouth tries to negotiate with her and then she kills him. He's like, why? Like, why? F- fuck you. That's why. Or something like that. <laughs> which which seemed pretty gnarly um and she stabs yeah. him in the neck and uh which i'm like I'm like how are you gonna explain my, my only concern with that is like okay that uh, understandable deserved 
But how do you explain that to the cops? You know, or to yeah, anybody? in that moment, like, what's, it was what's just your exit like strategy here. Yeah, I think that was like against her better judgment. That was just like the yeah the the catharsis kill that she was just yeah. like fuck it, this guy deserves it, and he's gonna get it. You kind of wanted it to happen at that point, but like, yeah, it's not the most logical thing to do. But then mm. here's where the movie jumps the shark. I mean, because it's been a little jumpy up to this point, but so she does that, and then she gets shot through the window by a cop. Like hits oh, her yeah. in the arm. Yeah, and she gets dropped, and then it pans basically. It pans over. She had booby trapped the front door with one of the killer's axes, mm-hmm. and she's she can't say anything. And the cop, for for reasons, she can't talk. And the cop makes his way around from shooting her through the side window to enter the front door, and mm-hmm. like as he opens the door, it triggers the Home Alone trap, and he gets smacked with the axe, and then boom, credits. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, I mean it's. It's 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 like the uh, it's like the night of the living dead ending, where they shoot him through the window, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because it's a mistaken identity, which mm-hmm. you know that that's great, and which, then but that's it's, that's one of the top ten movie endings of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you get you get a little. I think it's a little homage to that. Yeah, but like, absolutely. Yeah, it's you know it's a black comedy, so that's why it just ends on the silliness of like you know. Wh- what are we going to do? Are we going to sit another 25 minutes as they go through the evidence of mm-hmm. like, oh, here's all the phone records. And then, you know, she's exonerated. Eh, who gives a shit? Hit a cop with an axe. It's hilarious. Well, and no, it's I mean, also it's like, a it's a very untidy. Way. Yeah, it's very nihilistic. It's very untidy ending. And it's just like, no matter to, to, to all of her best, you know, she's been thrust into this difficult situation. She's managed it the best she could. She was dealing with all these like snake in the grass assholes. And then, you know, at the end, you just you just can't anticipate what's going to happen next. And maybe she, you know, figured it out. But literally, she is also the only person who showed up on screen that didn't die. Like she is really and truly the final girl in this instance. Yeah. 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 No, it's her and the cop. Everyone else is dead. Mm-hmm. Also, cops fault for not announcing himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah messed up. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so, one of the big positives for this movie, I will say, is I loved the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It added to the tension. It was very Carpenter esque, like you know, like heavy synth stuff. Um, interesting choice. Worked well, in my opinion. What's even more interesting about the soundtrack is. It, the soundtrack even switches on itself. So while pretty much in the first half of the film, before we get a sense of who Aaron is, the soundtrack is this really stripped down, minimalist, um, almost similar to Philip Glass, but like it's a lot mm-hmm. of strained out tones. You have a lot of long horns. I think they even use like gunshots as percussion at some point. It's It's a really interesting soundtrack. And then when Aaron starts to take control, then you start getting these, you know, like you're saying, carpenter synth wave kind of mm-hmm. beats in there. And it's like, oh, like the synth is, you know, in a way representing her. And it goes in and out depending on how much control she has in a scene. So yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting thing to listen to. It definitely swells at times and it meets the tone of what's going on on the screen. Mm-hmm. And of course, I know you guys are dying to know what that song is they play at the beginning. And, and oh, I did look it film. up. I forgot to write it down, but yeah. <laughs> it's a Dwight uh, Twilly looking for the magic. Mm. He was just like a middle of the run 70s singer songwriter, Dwight Twilly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I did I look that up. I, I forgot to write it. It's a good. I mean, it's a good song. It's a weird song to choose and and keep as it, like this it's, recurring it's thing. Very seventies, you know, yeah. you know, uh, power poppy kind of thing. It's, <laughs> the, the best scene I, I, I was of it. You said it. Payoff there, and there really wasn't one. I mean, um, the best. The best scene of it which yeah it's not necessarily a payoff at all is when um you know the the killer goes next door and he had chased one of the i guess it was the sister maybe over to net to the next door and and killed it her. was the wife it was the it was the wife it was dick the wife of asshole wife. brother yeah dickhead brother's asshole wife, wife. you're right yeah. and then he goes over there and and he's sitting on the couch and larry fessenden is sitting there and he's been dead yeah. and yeah. yeah no and then one of the killers straight up like Mortal Kombat uppercuts her through a window. He does. Yeah, yeah. it was a pretty mean-spirited series of kills there. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this I, this movie's got a lot going for it. Um, I don't think it necessarily, like, sticks the landing. Like, mm-hmm. it is definitely a landing. Um, and, yeah, I just, you know, I, I should be talking this up more. But, uh, yeah, T, T-Dubs loved it. Um, I didn't yeah. hate it. Uh, mm. I would have done the blackening because I thought that movie was really fun and smart. Mm. Um, and, and it's also kind of a parody of the revenge tropes. I thought that would have been fun to do. If you haven't seen the blackening, check it out. Yeah. It's, it's, in, it's interesting. You would have picked that one. Cause I feel like that one doesn't stick the ending. But, okay. Uh, I, I, especially, especially because it, it ends on a, like a straight up, slapstick gag that the film like the film's funny there's a lot yeah. of funny but like the 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 it's and the the gag where they get sprayed by the fire hose at the end that's straight out of like scary movie bullshit and i was well, like that doesn't fit at all i think the way they the way they okay the gap the visual gag itself is cheesy yeah granted but the setup for it and then the historical context of yeah, I mean that's all is, that's all there. It's just the way I, the I, gag looks. It looks out of a scary movie, that, and it's like it doesn't mid, fit. That's a mid credit scene, you know. I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not going to judge that. I think that was a, that was a wink at the camera. Yeah. Uh, no, but the, in my opinion, the way that movie ends with the joke about the fire department, that's top notch. Uh, and and, and uh, anyway, but I would have done that because that that was would have been a more fun movie to talk about. Uh, but this wasn't bad. Um, and I do, I do, I think you, you basically nailed it, um, with the final girl trope. It is fun to see a final girl that is capable the whole time. And you slowly uncover that because mm-hmm. she's put in situations where her s- certain set of skills become applicable. Yes. Like, but oh. the villains, the bad guys never felt unthreatening it wasn't like a situation where she was toying with them it wasn't Correct. you know kevin McAllister with the, the 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 sticky bandits the wet bandits like where they're just bumbling fools and she's just playing with them it was a it was you know there was a battle of wits and even there was like a scene that i thought was pretty great where like she jumps out the a window Yes. And then she quickly or she goes out the door and then jumps immediately back in a window. And of course, they think she's run out into the woods. So they Correct. go that direction. She, she, so she there's a lot of misdirection out. and just yeah. like little she's she's not overpowered. She's right. no, she's, she's just, just smart. She's clever. Yeah, she she's just smart. she's opportunistic. And mm-hmm. here's my uh, I, I guess it's. Uh, so one of the things I like in a movie like this, I, you have to have good fake outs. Okay. Mm. 
And like the blackening has a couple of good fake outs, but ultimately it doesn't really do a good job of that because that's it's not the point of the movie. So I think that's where it lacked. This movie has sort of the same problem. You do get a little like confusion and fog of war in this, but they don't mm-hmm. really deliver on any good fake outs. Like mm-hmm. you never really think it's somebody in the house, even though there's really no other characters in the film. So who else could you? Right. Cause right. I'm sorry. When I watch movies like this, I'm, I'm an asshole. I'm like, okay, so which one of these guys is the killer? Cause mm-hmm. obviously it's somebody I'm going to see on screen. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's how this works. Right. We, we know this game. And I don't think the movie ever does a really good job of selling you on somebody in the house being the killer and faking you out with it. Like, I, nah. I mean, it's clear there's tension. It's clear that one brother's a dickhead. And then there's clear that one brother's dark and brooding, but there's never really any kind of fake outs. And they never do like, they never do the accusatory thing of pointing fingers. Yeah. You well, know? I think Which the thing I that, like that, that helps in this kind of movie, when you want to build that level of tension of paranoia, you have to have that baked in somehow. But yeah, yeah. Well, well, you remember this came, you know, only a few years after what was a, a big box office success for horror at the time, which was The Strangers, which was the, the trope defining or trope defying element of the strangers that would have been very top of mind for people like in the horror zeitgeist at the time was that it wasn't entirely random but premeditated in that you know they went out to kill somebody but who they chose and and the like big payoff mm-hmm. scene in that movie is when they're like why us what happened and they were like you're you were home you know that was the yeah. that yeah. was the thing that made that movie scary to people so for for this to show up for for the first act to play out the way it did it felt entirely realistic that it was a random home invasion type of thing a la yeah. the strangers but then of course we learned there was more to it than that yeah and, yeah. and to be fair to to your point at no point did they try to make anybody involved really a bad guy aside from some civil civil <laughs> some uh civil Sibling, sibling, sibling rivalry, sibling rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So at this point, like nobody's really a bad actor here. You just got feuding siblings. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's I I suppose in the parlance of its times in that frame Mm -hmm. of reference. But yeah, yeah. um, there are some cool shots in the film. I will say that, Um, especially that opening scene when the uh, when the young lover is making her uh, screwdriver. Like mm-hmm. they went out of their way to shoot that artfully. Mm-hmm. Not really sure why, but like you know, a little flex there. Because it's because it's a nice opening. Like there's it, no it di- there's there's really no dialogue in that scene. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of you know unpleasant looks, and you know you can kind of read what the you know what the female character is going through, and then it gives it, you a title screen that's built into the world of the film. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Now somebody is not a big fan of foreplay. Yeah, Clearly. I do like uh, I think one of my favorite uh, shots in the film is when she's hiding just kind of like in an adjacent room or closet and yeah. like just they have a really strong light leak coming through the keyhole. That's really cool. It's a cool yeah. look. I like it. Yeah. But. Um, and, and I guess they shot all of this basically with handheld cameras. Which okay. does show in some of the scenes. There's, there's a little yeah. bit of like what I would almost say is unintentional shaky cam. Yeah. That that kind of makes sense because the one thing I 
the one thing I really don't like about the film is kind of how muddy and murky it looks mm. for as much time as you spend in the dark. So like it yeah. just like all the darkness kind of bleeds together. There's not like strong shadows. There's not a strong contrast. Yeah, everything's kind of like glossy looking and the um, lighting yeah, is real flat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe and, so maybe the cameras just couldn't handle a dynamic range if they're filming on like little handy cams back in yeah. you know, 2011. That's yeah, 2010, know. 20. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing too. The movie, the movie basically takes place in like like three rooms. Right, mm-hmm. you've you've got like the parents' bedroom, you've got the dining room, you've got the kitchen, and then you've got the outdoors. In the basement. Oh, in the, the basement. basement. Yeah, yeah, basement. Yeah. So I mean, again, a million dollars allegedly, a million dollars for the movie. Yeah, um, I can see that, but it yeah. it doesn't look that cheap. I mean, I can see this being this could have been like a ten, ten, fifteen, maybe twenty million dollar movie, and I wouldn't have known it different. Yeah. yeah, with a couple more couple more names or something like that, it could easily yeah. have been that, right? The, uh, the gore is not extreme either. No, I will say that. No, the throat, the throat clothesline thing is pretty brutal. But aside from that, not, not, not over the top. And not, not a bit, you know, it's not like a ghost ship, you know, Mm, level of effect. It's, (laughs) it's a little bit of a neck wound, but yeah. How how dare you, how dare you cite ghost ship on this show? How dare you? (laughs) I'm just, Um, I mean, that's, that's the piano wire kill that I'm most familiar with, right? We, we did, we actually do, we actually do talk about that scene pretty often for whatever (laughs) reason. I I, I do, I do. I just want you guys to know, I cannot believe I got to participate in an episode. I'm so happy to do so. I, when I was training for my rugby alumni match uh, Mm. earlier this summer, I'm pretty sure I was listening to an episode where you guys did mention ghost ship and chat all over it. Um, yeah, it's uh, definitely. Uh, oh, did we talk about like in the good scenes, good scenes and bad movies, maybe or something think, like that? I, I think, think that probably talk about that. That makes the most sense. Yep, yeah, that, that checks out. I was sweating my butt off running sprints in a grass field, listening to that podcast in my headphones. <laughs> um, so yeah, just just glad to be here, guys. Thanks again. Um, but yeah, yeah so that's uh, that's uh, your next. It's okay. I'm gonna lose. It's all right. I didn't pick the movie. I feel so, like yeah, Brian and I like the movie more than you do. Oh, we a hundred percent both like do. the movie a lot more than more than the. Yeah, I mean, so here's how this works, right, guys? For those of you who are new, we we've all argued about our movie. Typically, how it works is we all assume because we were defending that movie that our you know our first pick of the best movie, the three, is uh, the individual movies that we talked about. Um, so normally, we then go to our second pick which is to say of the two other people's movies uh which do you prefer so steve obviously got to choose the order in which we uh talked about them as the defending champ so he gets to uh decide the order in which we vote as well so what do you think steve i before we get on with this charade i want to mention <laughs> that this episode is heavily asterisked because of yeah. this how so asterisk number one we did yeah. not get the guest that we were supposed to because Tom is a coward and chickened out. <laughs> fair, Ast- fair. Asterix number. So that saddles. You're Bob. turning from you're turning from from Mr. October into into Mark McGuire here real quick. That's you right. Understand <laughs> that, right? Barry turn Bonds. Turn into Sammy Sosa then. Barry yeah. Bonds with the asterisks. Yeah. So that means Bob got saddled with a movie he didn't love. Uh, asterix number two. So even way before. Earlier in the week, Bob just messages me and he goes, Mandy fucking rules. Oops. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey, I picked a movie 
that I know is universally liked. Which is you know, asterisk number three. Oh, asterisk number you. three. We had discussions about Meg Rails and we had put yeah. up two Meg Rails. <laughs> One of them was that we weren't going to pick Mandy and the other was we weren't going to pick I Saw the Devil. We never said we weren't going to pick Mandy. Yes, we, we said we, yes, were, we, we were not going to we were going to pick uh, I, we're not going to pick I Saw the Devil. No, we saw we said both of them, because if we take uh, I Saw the Devil off the table, then Mandy has no competition. But I was feeling benevolent because your wife put out a nice charcuterie spread the night before at the party. <laughs> and I had already well, made you not pick yeah. I Saw the Devil. Well, <laughs> that's legit, yeah. though. Yeah, she All put right. out the nice Aldi spreads and everything. So I was just yeah, feeling see? benevolent. And I was yeah. like, mm. maybe, maybe, maybe Bob will just like the Toxic Avenger more. I'll just I'll roll the dice. I don't think that's the way it's going to go because Bob doesn't even like his own fucking movie. So yeah. <laughs> I think and also that, honestly, that was that was also when I was still under the impression that TK was also going to be the guest. But, but so the vote to the be voting fair, to be fair, okay. though, uh, yeah, Tom does love Mandy, too. So don't feel too I, bad. I, I, I don't I don't know all of that for sure. Like, I don't know that he fair. loves it more than Toxic <laughs> Avenger. That's the, that's that's the trick. I I knew you guys would love Mandy more than Revenge. Yeah. From 2017. It's a good movie. Well, Go check it out. I mean, what I would I, I would have probably done if I didn't do Mandy, because we, we said we weren't going to see do I saw the devil was I was going to do Blue Ruin. Which yeah. I think would have might have might have taken it anyway. I mean, we'll see. Now it's we possible. haven't vote. We haven't voted yet, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get ahead of myself here. It's possible. But I do well, see I'm what Steve's again, doing here. Again, the the asterisks. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. honestly, in that case, your next might have won because you and I would have voted for your next. <sighs> Potentially. Possible. Yeah. Potentially. So, but so we'll do first vote. We'll do first votes. Mm-hmm. And I assume I know how it's going to go. So we'll just go the order we presented of Bob, myself, or uh, Brian, myself, and yeah. then Bob. All right. So first votes. Yeah. Sticking I mean, with Mandy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take Mandy as my, as my number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm going to take Toxic Avenger because it's a film that inspires everything after it. it inspires superheroes and it inspires oh my god schlock filmmakers Shut up you don't have street <laughs> trash and you don't have slime city without trauma you need all of this you don't have james gunn fuck your guardians of the galaxy i'll give, if all he that up. I'll give literally slither, all that up for slither. mandy yeah, all this i still slither. will give all this up for Scooby-Doo. mandy Scooby yeah. Yeah. Scooby yeah james gunn wrote the scooby-doo movies Oh, I thought you meant Scooby-Doo, the original series. Fuck Freddie no, Prince no. Jr. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to stick Toxie with first vote. And All go right. ahead, Bob. <sighs> Gee, Steve, you know, it's with a heavy heart. This is the hardest conversation a manager ever has to have. Okay? <laughs> um, you can't here, do this to me. <laughs> here's the thing. You've been on a tear lately. You're kind of turning into a juggernaut. I feel like you can't take this like, away from me. There needs to be an, a, a realignment <laughs> of the power structure yeah. on the Halloween This Forever podcast. And I've got to give this to Brian. I got to vote Mandy. That movie rules. It yeah. does. I, Steve's uh, no shame. I vote Mandy. Steve's Steve's the New York Yankees, and he just got money balled. Yeah, Eat a dick, Steve. Eat a big fat dick, Steve. <laughs> I didn't, get, um, I didn't get money balled. I got Charlie hustled. You got money balled so hard. And here's Charlie the thing. Waxed. 
Here's the thing, too, Steve. I'm going to fuck you up. All right. You understand me right now? You benevolent bastard. You've been over there just winning, doing all this shit, talking shit, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for Mm -hmm. months now. So I've got a I've got a punishment for you. Uh, Bob, go ahead. You got something to add before I dish out some punishment? Okay. No, go ahead. I was just going to pile on when you're done. All right. So here's here's the punishment episode for you. This is a movie that I guarantee you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And um, this is going to make you wish you weren't born. All right. This is a movie from 2012. You can find it on YouTube. The hmm. title oh, of no. the movie. And this this is just after this is just after Halloween. Right. We're just on the edge of Halloween. We're still, you know, we're still smoking the resin in that Halloween bowl, if you will. We're still sipping on the dregs of Halloween. So I'm going to do a movie. uh from 2012 called a halloween puppy all right oh god damn it by david deconto by david deconto all right oh no now you can find it on youtube in the full length version under the alternate title a magic puppy (laughs) but it's the same movie all right it's called a halloween puppy and i i'm just gonna i'm gonna need you to watch it and we're gonna discuss it that sounds horrible. It is so, truly horrible. But I've already Steve, watched Steve, it. I'm so sorry. I've had this one just in my back pocket. Um, I just need you to. I need you to experience a Halloween puppy for me and taste uh, it and soak is, it in. Is this animated? It is not animated. This is a live action movie. Wow. Uh, from 2012. Um, wow. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think it's going to do you some good. I think it's going to teach you some some humility. Um, and uh, yeah, I think th- you deserve it. So. Steve, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so, so sorry. Well, Bob, I mean, you lose as well. <laughs> and so you and TK, because he also put you in this position and was a coward. You're both welcome to come back for the punishment episode. Okay. But you both will also have to watch. It's called The Great Halloween Puppy Adventure. Oh, there's there's multiple titles, but you can find it. The original title, if you look it up on like Letterboxd, it's a Halloween puppy. If you look it up on YouTube, it's a magic esque movie. No, 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 no. Even worse than that. It's called a magic puppy on YouTube. But if you look it up on IMDb, it is The Great Halloween Puppy Adventure. It's all the same movie. Um, mm. David Dakota, D- David Dakotu, um, David Dakotu is Dakota. Should, should, go should I know who that is? Uh, Full Moon Features. Yes. Full Moon Features. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Basket case. He does. Yeah, I mean, he family. does. He does a lot of dog shit. Yes, he uh, did wow. Puppet Master three, but he has also okay. done an, a I've tremendous seen, amount. I've seen, I've seen the first of, two. Yeah, he's done a tremendous amount of uh, of, uh, you know, Hallmark ish type horror movie or not horror movies, uh, uh, Christmas movies as well. So mm. you'll see some similarities there. This movie is I don't know how it exists. Um, I think most of the people involved with it would desperately hope that, you know, wish that it didn't exist. No one ever saw it. Yeah. You, no one saw it. You will find uh, one Mr. Eric Roberts. Yeah. Um, oh, no. is, is in it. 
I just want to point out that it was only like three years ago that I learned that that's Julia Roberts's brother. <laughs> like I didn't know they were related. I was like, oh, he's just this is actor guy. I'm like, you know, Doctor Drew's rehab show or whatever. I'm like, right. oh shit, that's Julia Roberts's dead ass brother. No kidding. Yeah, it, it's huh. also supposedly Emma Roberts's uh, father, but I think Emma Roberts is a secret Julia Roberts baby. So, uh, uh, so hey, uh, just Cindy Brady's here. in it as well. FYI, just in oh, case you're no, like, yeah. no, no shit. Um, Steve, did you get a chance to check out Deadbeat of Dawn? I did not. Oh, that's a great question. Extreme outside chance that I won. That would have mm. been my my punishment film. I kind of figured you hadn't seen it. Yeah. Brian, you've seen it. I've seen it, and they actually did it on the last drive-in. They gave it the full last drive-in treatment. Yes, they, it was pretty yes, fantastic. Did, uh, yeah. And uh, Joe Bob liked it. Mm-hmm. I, it's a, it is an, it is a great like gorilla film. It's one of those movies you watch and you're like, I'm happy they made this, like, and impressed that they made it on like zero budget. Yeah. Yeah, and much like the Toxic Avenger, it's yeah, it's got some of that same feel to it. And there are parts of it that are have that are better than they have any right to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's like a few stunts, on. especially. But I kid you not. Here's my chance to tell this bad story. So mm. the director and star and writer of that film is Jim Van Bever, and I own it on Blu-ray because mm. you can you can get that on Blu-ray off of Amazon. Um, he was my literal next door neighbor. <laughs> oh yeah. I, he lived in the house next to me in Greenville, Ohio. And I saw him shooting test footage in his backyard with his girlfriend with the boa constrictor, with the snake. Yeah. <laughs> like he was shooting that in his backyard. Uh, most of this film was shot. All of it was shot in Dayton from what I can mm-hmm. tell, but he was doing test shots back there. And he, he was, you know, uh, he was probably like, you know, 15 years older than I was, you know, give or take. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that was what my freaking neighbor. And my growing up, my dad always said like, Hey, you know, you know, our neighbor Jim used to see him out there out back. Like, you know, he made a movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no kidding, <laughs> you know. And then, like, yeah, it did get it got the last driving treatment, and, and Joe Bob did like a a written review of it at some point before where that was a thing. Yeah, he's been a um, champion of that movie for a long time. Yeah, and and again, like, and then Jim Van Bever made his real money directing skinny puppy videos. Mm. Like that was okay. that, that was kind of like his real commercial success. He made a Manson movie that's shitty. I tried to watch it. It's tough to get through. Mm. Um, but no, uh, Deadbeat at Dawn, I kid you not, it is worth the watch. Mm. It, 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 again, yeah. there's parts of it that, have, that are better than they have any right to be. But anyway, so I'll get off my Deadbeat at Dawn pedestal. But yeah, Jim Van Bever, you know, he lives out in California now. He's kind of a crank, which is kind of yeah. disappointing. The guy had talent. He just never quite got that big break he was looking for. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, oh, that well, would have been my punishment movie. <laughs> That's a fun one. That was a fun one. And you know what? Maybe do yourself a favor. Do a little double feature. That and uh, and, and a little flick we're all going to watch together. The Great Halloween Puppy Adventure, a.k.a. Oh a Halloween Puppy, a.k.a. A Magic Puppy. Uh, there's a lot of different titles. But if you're looking up on YouTube, go to A Magic Puppy Full Movie. You're going to find not, it. I was just going to say, how did you come across this? 
Uh, the depths of YouTube, the absolute just deepest, darkest depths of YouTube is where I found this. And, okay, so uh, and I started you're watching saying, it. You're saying sleep deprivation and ketamine led you yes, to this. Yes, I, start, I was in a K-hole <laughs> and I started watching this and I, I got through, you know, maybe 15 minutes of it. And I was like, how does this exist? And it just gets wackier. There's these really fantastic edits, like like cuts. You're going to like it. You guys are going to really appreciate yeah. it. So it's it, like it is directed by David Dakotu, mm-hmm. but it's directed under one of his pseudonyms, which is Mary Crawford. And mm-hmm. Mary Crawford is like the identity he adopts to do like family films. Because yes. I've actually seen a talking cat, which is another one. <laughs> I love the titles of them. They're just like so on the nose. A talking cat. Yeah. Um, oh, the, they the are. The one thing I'm I'm, I'm now cons- I don't want to say concerned, but I'm interested to learn here is IMDb. I'm noticing has a runtime here of this movie of 120 minutes. Oof. But if you f- if you look online, the version that I have uh, watched on YouTube is only uh only about an hour and five minutes mm. um so uh maybe i haven't seen the whole movie now i'm interested now i gotta hunt down a dvd or something for this um but oh yeah i'm looking at the dvd cover and it does say at the top above the title brady bunches susan olsen which is cindy brady a magic puppy that's that's the <laughs> dvd cover um, but of course, the title on here is this analysis. the great Halloween puppy adventure. Original title, a Halloween puppy. Guys, get in the get on that puppy game. Get down with that Ugh. puppy game. We're going to fast forward here. And, you know, what? once we're done with all these motherfucking Fast and the Furious movies, we might just go down a whole puppy. We might go down a whole puppy hole here, guys. Oh, who knows? Gosh. This might be the start of something really special. All Mary right. Crawford is forever. <laughs> Yeah, here we go, guys, going down that puppy hole. Boys and ghouls, thank you for joining us for uh, for our November showdown episode. Don't worry, the belt is back in its rightful hands. The champ is back. Um, you guys are all fucked. So uh, anything else I'm forgetting? Steve, anything no. else I should mention? No. Go check out Bob and, and the rest of the crew on Hops and Box Office Flops, where uh, uh, anywhere where you can get their those podcasts, search them up on there. Follow them on the on on the social medias. Like I said, it's a fun show. Go check them out, Bob. Thanks for joining us. It was a it was a yeah. pleasure to have you on. Thank you for uh, for tolerating the uh, the marathon that is our showdown episode. I hope hey, you had a good no time. No worries. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. And I regret everything. Yes, as you should. (laughs) All right. Uh, For the Halloween's Forever crew, I'm Brian. I'm Asterix. See you later, puppy fiends. Bye-bye.